Greetings, everyone. I'm Vernon Sheridan, and this is The Traveling Pulpit, a podcast ministry meant to introduce, encourage, and strengthen you with the Word of God. How are you doing today? I myself am doing very well today, but on last week, I took what we call a mental health day, meaning I took a day off. Now, it is not uncommon for us to take a mental health day or a day off, but why do we do this? One reason I believe we do this is to get out of the root, get out of the routine of our everyday hustle and bustle or to escape the daily routine of work stress. But what about those individuals that cannot take a break from the daily hustle and bustle or stress in general because of an illness that traps them and holds them hostage from day to day? Did you know? that it has been estimated that over 44 million Americans, adults and teens, suffer with a mental health condition known as depression. 12% of the 44 million Americans are teenagers. For them, there is no mental health break or day off, for they have to live every day the same. So what are the causes for this? Well. Studies have been conducted to show that there are several triggers that lead to depression, but no main cause. Now, I'm going to share some of those most common ones with you. There are just five of them, and I'll go through them really quickly. The first one is winter weather, or mainly the holiday season. You see, I believe, one, the holiday season is the most difficult time for people because of loved ones that are no longer here. And with Bing Crosby singing on the radio, it's the most wonderful time of the year. Unfortunately, it is not that way for all. The holiday season is not always fun and excitement that that time of the year brings, and it does not bring everyone into a festive mood. Number two, thyroid disease. As a phlebotomist, I must say, I see a lot of people having their blood drawn for this, for this disorder. Not, not to mention, medication has been shown to be very effective. So I encourage you to see your doctor, have this test drawn, and just know I'll be glad to draw your blood when you do. Number three, lack of sleep. It is recommended that seven, it is recommended, sorry, it is recommended that adults get seven to eight hours of sleep every night. But on average, we only get five to six hours of sleep every night. And when you add up the amount of non-sleep hours that we don't get, the amount of sleep loss can be very damaging on the body. Number four, social media. I wish I could say that this one has to be the most damaging of them all, but there is one more. Through live recordings on social media, we have seen bullying, hate-filled messages uh, sent to people of other races, social intimidation that has led to suicide, fights, shootings, and even murder. Also through social media, we have all seen a woman in Charlottesville, Virginia, killed after being run over by a car traveling at a high rate of speed crashing into a crowd of protesters. Through social media, we have all seen a man telling a police officer that he did 
have a gun, and that he did have a legal permit to carry, and was then gunned down by the officer to which justice fell on the side of the officer. And there are many more stories that are caught and posted on social media every day. Now this last one has to be the most damaging of them all, because this is where we become who we become. We either become a part of the problem, or we become a part of the solution. I'm talking about the fifth and final one, the family. Our families have a way of passing down the traits of the previous generations based on their beliefs, feelings, and tradition. We are then caught in the midst and taught what they liked or hated, and we come up with that essentially becoming modern old-time thinkers, believing as they believed and doing as they did. Family dysfunction is, is hidden in the darkness until sources like social media bring to light the evil and hate that still lives to this day. The lasting effects of depression often leaves that individual to ponder, what if? And this leads me to my first statement, what if? You see, the past can be a major trigger for people who suffer with depression. The brain can easily become trapped in a time and space when they enjoyed the best of times or the worst of times. For some, it can be very difficult for those affected to get beyond the entrapment of that time, and depending on what was going on at that time in their life, they can, it can be very freeing for them, or it can be very troubling for them. During those low moments, when depression is most effective in a person's life, that person may use the comment, what if? What if, while in full conversation with friends, uh, talking about events of the past, uh, talking about uh, old neighbors, or even people they just meet, the term what if can be viewed as a past tense statement that is mentioned during those, during those downtimes, an individual might, might say this, this, this statement, what if I didn't have this disorder? Or what if things were different? Or what if you would have married me? Or what if my parents would have loved me? What if can be a holding cell that prevents anyone and everyone that it, that it holds on to from going forward in their life? And this leads me to my second statement. What is? In the book of Deuteronomy 31 and 8, Deuteronomy chapter 31, verse 8, you will find these words. The Lord himself goes before you and will be with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. I can honestly tell you from my experience that this is the last thing a person wants to hear going through something debilitating like depression. They just don't want to hear about it. Now, I'm not saying that they are rejecting God or his word, but at that very moment, they are searching for how to get beyond this point of where their depression has them trapped. 
I can recall a time when drawing blood, totally unaccepting my call to the gospel ministry, but trying to be a good witness, reaching out to a woman with the word of God. While she was in the phlebotomy chair, I was telling her, she was telling me of her ordeal. And after I told her that God would be there to help her with her ordeal, whatever it is she was going through at that time, she replied to me, you cannot always use God as an excuse because God cannot help me with this. Well, friends, let me tell you what I felt raging up inside of me. It was one of those moments that I can truly say impacted me, not as a phlebotomist. Now, I mean, mean, my job didn't even matter then, not even as a phlebotomist, but as the man of God. I felt myself preparing to argue with this woman and really, really come down on her for not for not allowing me to give to her what I thought she needed. But if it had not been for the Lord on my side to calm me and quietly allow me to tape up her arm and let her go, I have no doubt I would have lost my job that day. Not for trying to shove my beliefs onto her, but for arguing with her what I believed. And and, and what, what makes it strange now that I think about it that woman could have been a Christian and that moment may not have been that moment that she needed the help I thought she needed what is happening to someone in those moments I believe is a separation of body and spirit we oftentimes tell people I'm gonna pray for you when difficult problems arise and that is good That is absolutely good. We should pray for one another. We are our brothers and sisters keeper. However, when that difficult thing arises, such as a severe bout with depression, that person doesn't want to hear about prayer. They want medication. They want to get past this and they want to feel better. You see, the body needs what the body needs, but the spirit needs what the spirit needs. And when and when someone gets the help they need, then they get their 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 selves back to where they feel they are capable of being functional with others again, then they may be able to to have a conversation about God and even receive the word of God. But at that moment, God is the last thing they want to hear. And this allows me to transition to my third and final statement, what will be. The Bible teaches us that God made man from the dust or the clay of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. Now, if we take a deeper look at this, before God breathed, man was just a shell or an empty vessel with a form but absent of life. Then and only then, God breathed and man became a living being because God's breath gives life. Life is what God gives to us all, whether we believe it or not. God gives life to all. What happened when man disobeyed God and ate of the fruit 
that he was forbidden not to eat of, the Bible says that the eyes of he and his wife were open, and they knew they were naked. I believe that within man, an eternal separation began to take place in which the spirit of man, or God's breath, wants to serve God in that capacity, and the flesh of man wants to serve the world from which he came in that capacity. The Apostle Paul has to be, and I mean has to be, one of the experts on what it means to have separation of body and spirit housed in the same place. He records for us in the book of Romans, the 7th verse, 21st chapter, when I would do good, evil is present with me. You see, Paul knew that the spirit had to be more powerful than the flesh. If it would, if it would have any chance of survival in this world, a world that is fallen, a world where none of the people living in the world, past, present or future has ever asked to be a part of the world. Paul in his writings in the book of Roman gives us a glimpse of what the spirit wants and what the flesh wants. When I would do good, the spirit wants to do good. Evil is present with me because the flesh wants to do evil. Roman gives us again, Roman gives us a glimpse of that. What does what the flesh wants, but what the spirit wants. And Paul chose to serve in the spirit from which God's breath gives us life or which the spirit comes. So my question today, what will be your decision and what will and what will you choose in service today? Now, I want to encourage you to seek God and his kingdom. And if you are battling with depression and you are under your doctor's medical orders, care for yourself. I encourage you, if you are taking medication for depression, if you are taking medication for anxiety, whatever debilitating issues you may have and you are under the care of a doctor, continue. That is my encouragement to you. If you are not and you find yourself going through these struggles and difficult times in your life, then I encourage you to reach out to a trustworthy source, your pastor, your counselor, if you have a counselor, friends, and I don't mean just anybody you call friends, but true friends that you can trust, even God. He's always there to listen. Well, friends, that's all I have for you today. Again, I want to thank you for listening and supporting and also sharing the Traveling Pulpit, a podcast ministry with your family, your friends, and even your 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 enemies, if you have any. Again, this this podcast is is it is uh, meant to introduce, encourage, and bring you into a better relationship with knowing the Lord Jesus Christ. Again, I am Vernon Sheridan, and I encourage you to reach out to someone you know that may be struggling on today. Let us pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, 
your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us of our debts as we forgive our debtors and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Friends, I just want to thank you once again. I also want to remind you to do not forget about refuel and recharge coming up on Wednesday. Again, for the Traveling Pulpit, I'm Vernon Sheridan. I love you. I will talk to you again on Wednesday, and I hope that you share this message with your family, your friends, and your enemies. I love you all. Bye.